0: Hi, folks. and Foss here from the Chris Foss show.com. The Chris Foss show.com. Hey, Cody here with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. And, uh, wow, we've got another amazing off- author on the show. The books have been flying off the shelves from his, his uh, book that he's put out, a memoir. We'll be talking about that here in a second. So you want to check that out. In the meantime, tell your friends and neighbors relatives to go subscribe to the show. Make sure you go to youtube.com forward just Chris Foss. Hit the bell notification button. Also go Go to goodreads.com for just Chris Voss. See what we're reading and reviewing over there. Also, go to, let's see, Facebook, Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, all those different places. There's groups, massive groups all over the place. Just search for The Chris Voss Show or Chris Voss, as it were. Uh, we've got an excellent author on the show. He's written an extraordinary book. Like I said, it's been chasing me everywhere. I see ads for it everywhere. It's almost like they know that I have him coming on the show, and they're just like going, hey, remember, he's coming on the show and offering to buy me the book. But fortunately, I've got the press copy right here. It's the book called Punch Me Up to the Gods, a memoir by Brian Broom. And this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, ifi-audio.com. And their micro-idSD signature is a top-of-the-range desktop transportable DAC and headphone app that will supercharge your headphones. It has two brown burr. DAC chip's in it and will decode high-res audio and MQA files. We're using it in the studio right now. I've loved my experience with it so far. It just makes everything sound so much more richer and better and takes things to the next level. IFI Audio is an award-winning audio tech company with one aim in mind, to improve your music enjoyment of quality sound, eradicate noise, distortion, and hiss from your listening experience. Check out their new incredible lineup of DAX and audio enhancement devices at ifi-audio.com. He is a poet and a screenwriter, and he's a K. Leroy Iris fellow and instructor in the writing program at the University of Pittsburgh. He has been a finalist in the Moth Storytelling Competition and won the Grand Prize in Carnegie Mellon University's martin luther king writing awards he also won a van award for the pittsburgh black media federation for journalism in 2019 and he lives in pittsburgh we won't hold that against him how you doing brian uh i'm doing pretty good what do you got against pittsburgh That's i'm just i don't know i just i'm in a really <laughs> funny mood we were having a good laugh before the show in the green room and so i'm just being <laughs> funny no we love the pittsburgh is pittsburgh Steelers? Pittsburgh Steelers, man, what, are they still the most winning football team in, in all of history?
1: I have no damn idea. I don't follow sports at all. But <laughs> if you live in Pittsburgh, you have to be able to say something about the Steelers, and the Steelers yeah, yeah. are great. That's all I got. I, yeah, love, I the
0: love them Steelers, man. <laughs> So, Welcome to the show. Congratulations on the book. This is quite extraordinary. Like I said, it must be doing well because I see it everywhere. It came out on May 18th. So those of you who want to grab it, uh, pick it up at your local booksellers. Give us your plugs. Brian, where people can follow you on the interwebs.
1: I don't have that much of an internet presence. I have an Instagram, like everybody, which is BBROMB. You can follow me there. My website is brianbroom.com. And I have, because I'm an old person, I have a Facebook page that is still active. You're not going to see me on TikTok, unfortunately, but I still have a Facebook. So you can follow me in those places.
0: There you go. There you go. So you've written this beautiful book, Punch Me Up to the Gods. What motivated you to want to write this book? I was in rehab.
1: Ah. Uh, i wrote this book i wrote i i I went to rehab for drug and alcohol addiction and i didn't really know that i was going to end up writing a book like at all i went there because i was in a very dark time and i needed to be there and while i was there i had this roommate who just snored like you wouldn't believe like he just sounded like like somebody was tearing up the street with a jackhammer outside and so i was up nights and I used to write when I was a kid. I hadn't written in a long time, but since he was laying 10 feet away from me snoring, I just started to write again. And I decided to just write stories from my life, stories that I thought probably led me to be to ending up in in rehab and being addicted to drugs and alcohol. That's where it started. When I got out of rehab, I continued to write and I was doing local open mics and doing The Moth and doing other things around town that were live. And one night, a woman walked up to me and said, hey, my name is Danielle. Can I be your agent? And I said, sure. And I had no idea what the hell that meant at all. But she said, what are you writing? And I, I showed her these stories that I was working on, and that's how it started. Wow. You
0: know? That's a great story. I wish the agent would walk up to me for my book I'm writing right now. <laughs> that's pretty cool, dude. I, where were you when you did that? I should go hang out there. So the, the title of the book, Punch Me Up to the Gods, Can you uh, disclose what that's about and uh, why you chose that title? The book is
1: about just being black and male and the expectations of masculinity that are put on black men. We have to be, it seems culturally, the toughest guys in the room, the most masculine, the most stoic, the most cool. And how I was none of those things, like ever. I kept trying and failing and trying and failing. And that's what some of the stories are about. But Punch me up to the gods is a rewording of something that my father used to say about misbehavior or not acting correctly. He would say I would punch you so hard you go back to up to god to be <laughs> renamed, to be remade into the proper kind of person. And so wow. the title is just a challenge. Go ahead, punch me up to god. Go ahead. You know.
0: Oh, I'll dad. be back.
1: I'll be back the same way. So that's what the title means.
0: Is it is an is inference an inference of being reborn or being redone as your dad implied? Where punch no, up the and... Well,
1: in a certain way, punch me up to God. I'm going to come back. Mm-hmm. stronger but the same way <laughs> you're not going to do anything except piss me off enough to just be more me than i am it's a challenge and it's an aspiration of mine i would love to be the kind of person that we were talking about james baldwin in the green room about he took a lot of punches he took a lot of criticism a lot of threats against his life and he just kept coming back stronger yeah. which is the thing that i admire most about him
0: Yeah, and the loss of his three friends that were assassinated, too. Yeah, uh, we talked about this in the green room, but do you reference James Baldwin in the book?
1: I do reference James Baldwin in the book. I don't want to give anything away, but there is a a real reference to, to James Baldwin in the book. And In a lot of ways, the book is about me aspiring to be like him in my own life and wanting to change certain things about myself that were, in fact, cowardly, wherein he was so brave. So yeah, definitely, he's in the book.
0: That's awesome! Yeah, we talked in the green room. I'm a big James Baldwin fan. Was Eddie Glad Jr. came on the show and introduced me to and to him. And I think I'm trying to remember the other guy, he wrote the book. Oh, crap, the the something about the fire. It's a spin of James Baldwin's things, but he wrote the book. It was about William F. Buckley, the famous William F. Buckley debate between him and James Baldwin. And then he told the history of the two of them leading up to it and outlined their outlooks, which is interesting. A great book, The Fire.
1: Is it Um, the fire this time?
0: Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, that's it. We've had him on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just fell in love with James Baldwin. He's just so amazing the way he delivered, the way he debated and everything else. And uh, I think next to Christopher Hitchens, he's my second favorite debater sure. and orator. Yeah. I just love the way he delivers. And there's something about him where he delivers on an intellectual level, but on an emotional level at the same time. But yeah. So give us some other insight to some of the things we're going we're gonna to find in this book. You've got some interesting chapter titles here. We are, or I'm sorry, We Real Cool and then we left school, we lurk late, we strike straight. Tell us a little bit about some of the build-out and what you've used in the chapters and the stories in the book.
1: Sure. The book is hung on the bones of a poem from 1963, I believe, by Gwendolyn Brooks called We Real Cool. Gwendolyn Brooks wrote this poem after she walked by a pool hall in Chicago, and she looked inside the pool hall, and she saw seven boys, basically hanging out in the pool hall, like during the day, during school time. And they were up up to some manly business, like inside of this pool hall. They were really super young. And she thought to herself, I wonder what they think of themselves. And she wrote this poem called We Real Cool, which is a defiant poem. And I took it to be a poem about black masculinity. We real cool. We left school. We lurk late. We strike straight. And I thought I, can, I could tell a story or two or three stories about each one of these lines, about how I am just the opposite of cool. And the reasons why I left school were because I was afraid, not because I was being defiant. And, and so- there's the, her lines of the poem in my story is just making you rethink those lines uh, of the poem. That's how, that's the framework of it. The stories are embarrassing as as hell in the ways that I tried to live up to manliness. They are basically cautionary tales, I think, for anybody who is living their life in such a way that the only purpose of it is to make other people accept them, uh, Mm -hmm. to make other people happy and ignoring your true nature or being ashamed. There's a lot of, one of the themes I think of the book is shame. I was ashamed of being poor. I was ashamed of being black. I was ashamed of being gay and the ways in which I try to hide those things sometimes to comic effect. And it's something that I hope people can relate to in their own lives. Or maybe they know somebody else who's suffering uh, with this kind of shame.
0: So, was that part of what your struggle was with masculinity in being gay, or was it oh, Chris, just I, masculinity I, I, in the age of like me too and stuff like that?
1: I had all kinds of things I was ashamed of one of the central themes, I think, is the masculinity issue and being called the f word all the mm-hmm. time, and being told that my interests were not acceptable. I used to like to write when I was a kid, and I was told that being off in a corner writing was looks gay don't do that you know, really. You're Wow. Yeah, definitely. You're supposed to be interested in sports. You're supposed to be chasing girls. You're supposed to be you know, all these things that I was supposed to be. I was constantly being told what I shouldn't be doing. So that was one of the struggles. This is, this was back, We it was a less enlightened time, obviously. I'm an old person. I'm 51 years old. So we're talking about back in the 70s and 80s when we were far less enlightened than we are now about gender and and sexuality and, and things like that. So yeah, I took a lot of beatings. I took a lot of punishment emotionally and physically for not living up to this expectation of the body that I was born into, not acting correctly, not being a man at all times.
0: And then you struggled with blackness. Let's talk a little bit about what what, what you felt about that.
1: We grew up, this is a racist culture. And I went to a predominantly white school. The kids, the white kids with whom I went to school, were very certain that they were better than me because they were white. And they weren't shy about telling me that all the time. There was also the television that I watched all the time and these images of perfect whiteness and perfect families. And those things influenced me. And Also, I got—I took a lot of guff from black children as well because I wasn't the kind of boy that I was supposed to be. So I just felt like I was caught in the middle between just homophobia from, I think, the black community and just racism from everywhere else. So, yeah, I struggled. I I wished um, that I had never been born. I wished uh, that I was non-existent. I wished that all the time or that I was born different that I was a, d- a completely different person. And that's a struggle I've taken with me my whole life. Because when you start to believe that just the way you are essentially is wrong, what hope do you have? And I think with the writing of this book, there is a hopeful message for people who may may grow up believing that they are less than because other people keep telling them that they're less than.
0: Yeah. And it's hard when we have a society, it used to be much worse, but it, it's, uh, it's up and down like this. The last thank, thank God we turned a page from the last five years. But it's scaring me what the future is holding. Hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully, we uh, things stay on the right track. But no, certainly there's a lot of different aspects of things that you know, our society does that to people where people don't fit in or feel like they have in- inclusivity. Do you feel like a lot of those different issues are what led you down the road to uh, drug abuse and and, and uh, alcoholism?
1: Alcohol is like the the most efficient way to make yourself disappear. I remember, <laughs> you know, the first time I got the first time I ever got drunk. I remember thinking like I just I want to be this way all the time because I loved myself when I was drunk I was I was the, the party man, I was life of the party. And people seemed to like me when I was drunk. And then I found drugs and that was even better. I totally disappear into this character that I was playing for everybody. I could be witty, I could be handsome, I could be charming. Meanwhile, let's just be real. I was none of those things, I was just drunk. Being drunk doesn't really give you a great grasp of yourself, but I felt better. Like the anxiety and the depression with which I suffered would just disappear for a while until it didn't, until the drinking and the drugs didn't help anymore. And it just became really dark in my life for Mm -hmm. several years. And the only thing I could think to do was to drink more and use more drugs. So I was in that, I was definitely in that spiral. So the fact that I hated myself, I think, I wanna be clear, the fact that I am a drug addict and an alcoholic, that's my doing. But the fact that I hated myself Enough to become that also plays into it the way that I was treated in my past and just learning how to hate myself. Definitely opened the door wide for the abuse of drugs and alcohol.
0: Yeah, we're a tortured soul. It's a hard place to be, man. And you got your head fucking with you. And the one thing I used to like about drinking was I could write better when i drank i i became more artistic i could artistic i could play piano and guitar and and stuff and so it, it kind of helped free up my mind and stuff but you know, there comes a point where you're just abusing it you're just you're just doing it and when you torture a soul that's sometimes that's the only way you can get the the madman in your head to shut up and leave you alone and just you can be fun but then it just reaches a point where you're just chasing the high and it I just, just takes fun. more and more
1: <laughs> yeah i would wake up and that was the first thing i would reach for uh would my Yeah, before Cheerios, it was Jack Daniels.
0: Yeah, I just pour the Cheerios, the Jack Daniels in the Cheerios.
1: (laughs) Don't think that hasn't been tried. Uh, It's (laughs) disgusting. Um, Oh man! It was was a way that I had. I know now that I have pretty bad anxiety. Yeah, um, from depression, and, and and I didn't know it then. And the only way to make it quiet down was to just get my brain, every tissue of my body soaked in, in whiskey. And then the drugs came and it was just, it was a bleak time. And I lived that way for a very long time before I went to rehab.
0: There you go. There you go. One of the things some we talked about in the book, it looks, it's a compilation of just different stories and anecdotes from your life, correct?
1: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Strung together in, in one narrative.
0: Yeah. And uh, what do you think readers are going to find the most interesting about the book?
1: I think the book structure is unique. It's a braid within a braid in terms of narrative Mm. storytelling. I think that I am willing to just completely embarrass myself on the page. A lot of times, I think sometimes you read stories that people write about themselves and emerge the hero of the story. Mm. I am not a hero in in this story, like at all. I, I tried to be as honest as I could without hurting anybody in my life and talk to people about what I was writing. And I think that people will be able to relate to this idea that they're living a life that was prescribed for them as opposed to maybe living the life that they wanted to live or doing things the way they wanted to do and how societal pressures to be normal are can be overwhelming. I was like my that was like my biggest wish when I was growing up. Just, I just want to be normal. I just want to be normal. Please. I used to pray. My, my mother dragged me to church every Sunday and every Wednesday for Bible study and I just would pray to God just please make me normal like I can't go on like this.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, I think that's that's relatable.
0: Yeah, I think you definitely were being, you were just living a torture life and you need to find yourself. So do you talk in the book about where you are now and how you've, I'm assuming, come to some grips or some sort of resolutions about the place you're in? Are you still struggling and the book is still about that struggle? Where are you at now? And and what do you talk about the book in that field?
1: I don't really go into where I am now in the book. I, I'm talking to you about that right now. I, I don't talk about... My rehab experience a lot in the mm-hmm. book. I think the book leads you up to a place where I think I'm gonna go. It, I think it it uh, illustrates the struggles that brought me to rehab, as opposed to the rehab experience. That might be another book.
0: I was just gonna ask. Those to be your next question. Is it? Is a second, is this a, you let us into a second book, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I might, because rehab is really. That's a, it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting place and you definitely meet some interesting people when you go there. But where I am now is I still struggle with a lot of stuff. My mother was in town this past weekend and I spent the weekend with her and I was the whole whole time I was thinking, God, can I use a drink? Because my mother is beautiful. She's a wonderful woman, but she's a mother. I did not drink. Every day I wake up and I say to myself, the first thing I say is I'm not going to drink today. And it's been that way for years. And then literally what they say in recovery programs is that. It's a day at a time and it absolutely is a day at a time. I'm learning to feel better about myself. I'm learning to forgive myself for some things. I have done the, the AA thing where you call around and where you write letters to people that you've harmed in your past. And some of them have forgiven me and some of them are like i will never forgive you for manipulating me or for lying to me or for whatever i did and i've had to learn how to come to terms with that as well
0: that's awesome man that's awesome sounds like a great book anything more we should know about it
1: everybody should buy 10 copies (laughs) everybody Um, buy
0: 10 copies there you go
1: No, I, I, am extremely proud of it. I sometimes I'll pick it up and, and, and just flip it open to a page and think, gosh, who, who wrote this? This is actually pretty good. It's, it's just something that I'm really proud of. It's, I had a lot of great help on it from the people at Hope Mifflin, Harcourt, and yeah, I hope that people
0: enjoy it. There you go. There you go. It sounds like an awesome book. Like I said, I've been seeing it advertised everywhere. Everyone should go check it out and all that good stuff. Give us your plugs, Brian, before we go out. I'm
1: just about the book, I have a wonderful review in the New York Times that I think people could take a look at. Again, follow me on Instagram, B-B-R-O-M-B, for updates. And if you want to use that old chestnut Facebook, I'm on there too. Yeah, <laughs> but you won't see me dancing on TikTok. That's just not going to happen. I don't have
0: the legs for it. You and me, man, you and me, those let's, let's TikTok kids or something else all the stuff. Yeah, let, have
1: them, let them have it. Let them yeah, it.
0: They can, yeah, they can just have that. But guys, check it out. Punch Me Up to the Gods, a memoir by Brian Broom. Uh, you can take an order up uh, anywhere you find fine books. May 18th, 2021, just barely came off the uh, printing presses there. Brian, thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us, man. Thank you
1: very much for having me, Chris. I had a great time.
0: Thank you. And continue success, man. We'll look forward to that second book because I want to see the rising from the ashes. I want to find out oh, how yeah. you fixed yourself and, and the great place you got yourself in. So I'll look forward to that too, man. Absolutely. To my audience, take and uh, go to youtube.com for chess Chris Foss. Hit the bell notification button over there. Refer the show to your friends, neighbors, relatives. Go to goodreads.com for chess Chris Foss and all the groups you have on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and all those different places. Thanks to everyone for uh, tuning in. Stay safe and we'll see you guys. Next time.